pat or high five, whatever you feel is appropriate and you're okay with. And uh, please be seated. Thank you, worship team. You're amazing. Can we give the worship team a hand? They are incredible here this morning. Speaking of peace, our incredible pastor, Pastor Phil Pringle, who we love. Can we just give a hand for Pastor Phil, even though he's not here here today? Let's give him honor. He's amazing. He has written a book called Peace. I think we've got a screenshot of that, and you can get that today. You can go home on the way home. You can head to Kurong and uh, pick that up. It's an amazing, amazing book all about finding peace. We live in a world that is filled with anxiety. I, I, I have a friend of mine who is a, um, a clinical psychologist, runs his own practice. It's really helpful to have a friend who's a psychologist because you can ask questions and get free counseling if you ask the question in the right way. I've just noticed something, and, uh, and he's amazing, but you know what, he, he always is just he blown away by, by the level of anxiety and depression that is currently existing in this world, and I think everyone needs peace. So why don't you do something practical, grab a book on peace, and how we can find that in Christ and uh, unpackage that, which is awesome. I love our pastor. He is always thinking of us and for us and in touch with what's going on in our worlds. Well, the title, sorry, the series that we are in today is a one-week series on abiding, abiding in Christ, abiding in, this, in, in His church, abiding in the presence of the Spirit, and we are looking into the Psalm, Psalm 84. And uh, this is a psalm which is a reflection, a celebration, a song, uh, most Probably, we could say it was written by David. It's, uh, some people would not necessarily say that, but I think there is enough tone in it that you can really hear the heart of David. And it is written to the sons of Korah, the sons of Korah and the musicians of, of, uh, of Asaph. They were guys that were involved in the day-to-day uh, going-ons of the temple. And I know that we don't really get the temple. Uh, we, we, we value... Christ, we value the church, but, but for, for Jewish people, the temple was something of significant value. And, and so, he is writing to these men who get to spend every day, all day, at the temple. And he is declaring his love for this place, the dwelling place where God meets earth. And he is desiring after this place, he's wishing he was there, he is longing for it, and then he, he goes on to talk about how, how the Jews would make their pilgrimage every year to the temple, and how he desired to be amongst them, and that their hearts were, were people who would go after the things of God, and were set to go and be with God, and then it finishes, and it kind of rounds up in this, this incredible uh, climax, if you will, of him declaring how wonderful is this place better is one day in the courts of your of your place, O Lord. It is better than a thousand anywhere else, because he had found in God a source and life in him that, that is better than anything else in this world. There, there, is, there is nothing that would equate to what he had found in the dwelling place of God. And so we begin here. Now, now Psalms 84, to me, is all about value. It's all about value. Things have value regardless of how we treat them. They have value. And, and whether we recognize the value in that thing or not, it still has value. 
And our failure to recognize value in things often restricts us from completely experiencing those things. It's true, isn't it? So this is a psalm all about about value. And and in verse 1, it's amazing, the language in this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, thanks for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Salah. So, this psalm is broken up into three sections, and we're going to go through this together today, which is a good idea. Agreed? Fantastic. I'm glad we're all on board, and there will be no usurping of the, the, the uh, pulpit here today. Uh, the tabernacle and tabernacle, tabernacle, and the temple was the place, and this is really important for us to understand this and, and get the, the the magnitude of this. This is the place where heaven and earth interlock. There, there are places where heaven meets earth. We see this all the time. We see this with with, with Jacob, where he is at the place of Bethel, where where there is ladders ascending and angels ascending and descending onto the earth. We see this as Moses sees a burning bush and has an encounter with God. But most of all, we see this in God's resting place, His tabernacle, His, His, His tent of meeting, and it is where God would meet with earth. And David is so captivated by this place that he is envying the very birds that get to spend time in this place, the very birds that get to make their nest in this place. He is so envious of them because he knows the power of when heaven meets earth. Now, for us today, for them, it was a specific place. It was a temple. It was a meeting place. It was, it, although it was a living presence, it was static in its position. It was located somewhere. Today, for us, that place where heaven meets earth became Christ. 2,000 years ago, heaven came to earth when earth could not reach out and take hold of heaven in its entirety. When earth could not take, reach out and take hold of God in His entirety, God came to earth. And now we have in Christ the place where heaven meets earth. And then we have in the presence, the Spirit, sorry, the Holy Spirit comes and He puts us in touch daily with the reality of that connection between heaven and earth. And then in this community... We are the reflection of the kingdom of heaven, and we become a meeting place where heaven meets earth. As we are transformed individually and corporately, we are reflecting the image and glory of heaven on this earth here today. How blessed are those who connect with Jesus Christ. How blessed are those who experience the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. How blessed are those who get to connect and be a part of a community where the presence of God abides. How blessed. He then says, blessed are those, verse 5, whose strength is in you, in in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength 
each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Every year, God's people would set out on a pilgrimage. They, they didn't have to just get in their car, drive five minutes, and be at church. This was, a, this was an annual. There was three times in the year, but they would go on a journey to the tabernacle or to the temple. When the temple was established, it now became something that they would go to. This is huge. This would be miles and miles and miles, thousands and thousands of Jewish people on their journey to get to the place. And they had their hearts set on the place where God was. And as they would journey on this, 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 God is always in the process, I love this, as they would take steps towards His presence, they would experience His presence. It says that as they placed their strength in Him, their strength was renewed. They went from strength to strength. Even when they went through the valleys of Baca, which means the valleys of weeping, as they would go through the place, the destitute place, the place of, 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 of struggle, the place of temptation, the place of fear, the place of frustration, they would find in that place, via the presence of God, they would find uh, springs of life. They would find the refreshment of God. And they would also find that as they journeyed, they wouldn't weary in the journey, they would get stronger as they journeyed. Have you ever driven anywhere be out of Sydney with children? I don't know why, but every year my wife and I think it's a good idea to drive to Queensland with the kids. About halfway, I'm reminded why it is not a good idea to drive to Queensland, but for whatever reason, we, we enjoy it. We, we love spending time and just hanging out, but I've got to tell you, it is a long journey, and by the time I am there, I am not strengthened, my friends. I am wearied. I get out of the car. I go to my hotel room, and I collapse. I don't want to see the kids for at least two hours. I don't want to talk to anyone, but these people, they would be journeying with their families and with their animals and with their sacrifices and with everything, and as they're stepping forward, they're strengthened. They're strengthened, and when we set our hearts on Christ and we remember what we have in Christ, and we abide daily in Christ, and we connect with the Spirit, and we, we come and be a part of this community, we too find refreshment in times of darkness. We too are strengthened in our inner man. We too are renewed day by day. We are revived every day as we remember our commitment to Jesus and His commitment to us. We are renewed every time we come and experience the presence of the Spirit. And we also are reminded of that truth as we meet with one another, reflecting what God is doing in our lives, sharing with one another what God has done in our world. This is the place of God. It's amazing. Now, he then goes on, verse 9. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts. This is really important. Whenever you're reading your scriptures and it says for or because of therefore, always read why. We can just read scripture. We kind of just get through it because it's kind of like a religious checklist. So we just get through it. But when you stop and actually see, he says, behold our shield, O God, look on our face for a day. Because a day, God, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Here's that four again. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You could quite easily link this passage of Scripture with John 15, that that we abide in Christ, and He gives us the good things, and He gives us the good things we need. He doesn't give us everything we would like. He prunes back some of those things in our lives that we think would be good, but He gives every good thing to us as we abide and trust in Him. Now, He says, hear us, O Lord of, in verse 8, O Lord of hosts and God of Jacob. He says, hear us. Hear me, O Lord of the armies, big, eternal, everlasting. Your problem is not bigger than God. He's massive. And hear me, O God of Jacob, personal. He cares about the intimate. He cares about the little things. And he cares about Jacob. He doesn't say, hear me, O God of Abraham the father of faith. He doesn't say, hear me, O God of Moses, the one who took the Israelites and had victory. He says, hear me, O God of that guy that always messed up his relationships, that guy that consistently wrestled with everyone in his world, consistently wrestled with God, that guy that screwed it up all the time. Hear me, God of that guy, because I can be like that sometimes too, Lord. And look at our shield and look on the face of your anointed one. And whether they realize what they were writing at the time or not, but we carry a shield of faith. And Christ is literally translated as the anointed one. And whenever you feel like you can't come to God, remember the way that we access into that place is we say, God, look, I come with you with faith, and I ask you to look at Jesus. Because in Christ, I have access to the throne room of God. And I ask that you hear me, God. And I ask that you look at me, God. Because, because better is one day in this place than a thousand anywhere else. Better is this one moment with you than anything I can get from anything else. God, I am desperate. I am needy. And I need you. Look on me. Hear me because I need you. To just be a doorkeeper, he says. No matter what status you may have in this world, it doesn't matter how high you may be promoted in your work, what level of fame you will find in this world, how many followers you can get on Instagram. At the highest of highs, it is nothing compared to the very lowliest place in the courts of God. There is a value in God that is not just greater than anything. It completely is foreign to anything you will have on this world. It is its own value. He says, for the Lord is a sun and a shield. He's not like the sun, like a shield. He is a sun and a shield. He's not a lot of the value that we get from the sun. He's completely beyond it. Look at this in Isaiah 60. This is an amazing scripture. 60:19. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, 
and your glory will and the and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall go no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your day of mornings shall be ended. Ended. Some theologians believe that in heaven, when, when the new earth is created, there will not be no more sun, there will be no more moon, because God's glory will be so bright that it will be our everlasting thing we live by. But even now on this earth, it doesn't matter what the seasons say. The sun may go down on that day in your life. The moon may disappear and it might be a dark night, but you have an everlasting light, an everlasting life, a source of light and life in Christ Jesus that outweighs anything we can get from this world. He is our supreme shield. I am not nervous about the health of my kids. I am not concerned about the health of my family. And I choose to live like that. And I don't say that saying I am never not concerned. I say that in a position of faith, refusing to back down, saying I have a shield called faith where I stand in the gap between fear and the reality of this world. And I say, no, my God is my shield. I don't care how good our defense system is. I don't care how good our security systems are in this world. As the world gets crazier and more crazy things are happening, my trust is not in that. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. He is the source. Oh, and and blessed, verse 12, this is amazing. Blessed. He wraps it all up. It's like a, by the way, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the one who puts their complete hope in God. Blessed is the one who throws all their eggs in one basket, who hedges all their bets and backing on God. Not the one that is hesitant, double-minded, kind of going, I hope God is okay. No, no, blessed is the one who says, God, I trust you. Period. In that place, He is the God, the source of all life and all blessing in our lives. But to experience this, you have to be in the right space to receive it. Do you know you can be in the right place and the wrong space at the same time? I proved this not long ago. I went to the cinemas with my children to watch Kung Fu Panda 3, which I can report to you is a lot like Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2. (laughs) And when I got there, we were making great time, and I, I kind of I, my wife is incredible. My wife makes the everyday things that seem just drastically impossible for me. She just makes them look like easy. She's got kids in tow. She's doing this. She's working this. She's greeting people. She's loving people. She's doing all this. I have the kids. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not talking to you. I love you, but I have, my attention is everywhere. And I'm kind of going, and I'm a little afraid of germs. And so we're taking our kids through, and they need to go to the bathroom. But then I've already bought the popcorn. And I'm like, how do I get the kids into the bathroom? I'm not taking them to the guys' toilet. I can't go to the girls' toilet. Did that once. That wasn't great. So now I'm finding the, the, the nappy change toilet, you know, the disabled slash parents' room, which is never that great. And so we go in there, and now I'm like, kids, don't touch anything. Just do not touch a thing. Just sit on the toilet, then you're going to wash your hands. And I'm holding the popcorn, just trying to keep one. And she's going to the toilet. And we finally, we finally get out. And we're still making great time. And we go into the cinema. And we sit down. And we're like, okay, we're here. And we make it for the trailers. I love it when I make it for the trailer because I'm paying so much money for this movie. I want to milk it for everything it is worth. And so the trailer starts to play. And the first trailer 
is the new Snow White film, the, 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 that, what's it's called, um, help me out here, The Huntsman, okay? I'm like, what the heck are they playing this in Kung Fu Planned? So my kids, ears and eyes, come on, right in here. Nope, you're not watching this. This is fine. We get through one. Second trailer. Captain America Civil War, the most violent thing I've ever seen. My kids have never even seen anything like this. They're kind of like half excited going, Daddy, can we watch? I'm like, no, you cannot. Ears and eyes in here. Now I'm getting annoyed. Then third film trailer, X-Men Apocalypse. It is the scariest thing on earth for these kids have ever seen. I'm like, what are you doing to me, Hoyts? I am freaking out. I'm losing my mind. So I say, that's it. Come on. Come on. We're going. We're going. We'll wait to the end, and then we'll come back in. And as I'm going out of that cinema, I am just absolutely frustrated. I was at the right place at the right time. I made a thing. I got through the germs. I got through the toilet. I got through all of this. And now I'm having my kids going to have nightmares for the rest of their life. I'm going to have to pay for counseling when they're 16. And I'm walking up with this in my mind. I'm going to go straight to Hoyt, straight to the front desk, give them a piece of my mind. And then it just dawns on me just to double-check my ticket stub. See, I was at the right place the wrong space at the same time. So we quickly ducked next door to the correct cinema and enjoyed the movie. Now, it's amazing. <laughs> see, see, God's people knew it was the ones who, who journeyed to the temple that got to experience the temple. But it was not just their physical act of being there that made them experience God. It was the fact that they had their heart set on God. It was the way in which they approached God. We can be here physically in the right place, but in the wrong space at the same time. And in this day and age, where there are a thousand and one things fighting for our attention every single day, it has never been truer that you can be here in attendance, but not in your attention. Men are living proof of this. You can be speaking to your husband or your brother or your friend, and he is there physically, but he is not there. He is a million miles away. And I have this moment often when my wife reminds me of the party that I agreed to go to, that I never remember having the conversation. But because I know that she probably did tell me, and I was not there in my attention, I just smile and nod and attend the party. You can be there in your attendance, but not your attention. We can be in the correct space, again, physically, but in the wrong place spiritually. So what keeps us? What stops us from being in that space? I was thinking about this. Is it sin? Well, now, unrepentant sin can can hinder your relationship with God, but I have found that God is very good with sin. He's like the pro at it. It's kind of like His thing. It says in Micah 7.18, where is another God like you, who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of His special people? You will not be angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. In other words, you delight in showing mercy. Psalms 86.5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon 
You know, sin is not the thing that keeps us separated from God. Sin is the very thing that brings us and draws us and makes us realize our need for God and pulls us into that relationship with God. Is it the condition of our soul? As I said before, we live in a world that is filled with people struggling with depression and anxiety. Is it the place in which you come that you are destitute in your soul, that you are crushed inside? And yes, that can hinder your experience with God. But I have also found, as I periodically struggle, with depression myself, I have found that in my darkest of moments is when I connect the deepest with God. That God can meet a soul at the top of a mountain, at the bottom of a valley. My condition of my soul, the condition of my emotions does not hinder me from connecting with God. Is it my physical surroundings? We live in a very high-paced, busy life. And you know what? It is nice when you get to have a moment with God when you get to get clear everything and declutter and just connect with God, it can really help. And it would be nice, ladies, I'm sure, that if every morning your husband would awake and he would cook breakfast for you and the children and he would take them aside for a moment and he would clean the house and put on Kari Job for you and create a space in your bedroom that you could connect with God. But I have found as a parent that for most mums and dads, Our physical environments are not conducive for a move of God. Yet, if I just put some earplugs in, put some worship on, open my Bible, one minute connecting with the presence of God can fill me again with the peace of God, can fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit, can completely change my attitude, my outlook. I'm telling you. It is not our physical circumstances that restrict us from God. God can speak to us in the closet, in a quiet time, on the beach, but He can also speak to us in the craziest storm that is going on around us. It is not our physical circumstances or how we connect with God that stops us. It is not those things. The thing that stops us from abiding in Christ, the thing that stops us from experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, the thing that stops us from truly connecting in the community that we are part, truly seeing the value in this community, truly seeing the call and the, 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 the call of Christ to see this community grow, the very thing that stops us is not depression, it's not sin, it's not our craziness of life, the thing that stops us is we have become too familiar. You can have something that is valuable, but if you don't know its value, if you become too familiar with its value, it still remains incredibly valuable, but you will not experience it. See, I'm convinced that God is less concerned with our personal sin than He is with our complacency, because complacency kills intimacy. I can go and be with my wife, live with my wife, in the same house as my wife. But when I become too familiar, though there is gold in her, though there is life in her that I need, I will not see it, I will not appreciate it, and I will not receive it. She has not changed, but she has become too familiar to me. But when I am recaptured by the awe of her awesomeness, my relationship with her is revived. When I am recaptured by the awesomeness of my kids, my relationship with them is revived. Are you 
in absolute awe and splendor of the magnificence of God in your life? Or are we pursuing Him in a complacent way? Do we come here every week and get lost? Or do we come here every week and count down the clock? Do, do, we, do we think about who we could bring? Or do we just come to take again? When you think about this psalm in that light, it, it completely changes it. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy for the living God. If we can recapture the awe of Christ in our life today, be in a space of attention, hunger, and faith, we can experience Christ who satisfies every need, every desire, and every ache of our being. Why don't we pray? God, we thank you. I'll ask the worship team to come and join me. I thank you, God. Your great desire is to be known and for us to know you. Your great desire, O oh Lord, is that we would come and meet with you, that we would come and know you, Lord. If you're here today and you know that you are not in a relationship with Jesus, Maybe it is your first time here, maybe you've been coming a little while, or maybe you even grew up in church, but you have never actually asked God to be your Lord and Savior. You cannot say that He is the desire of your heart, but you have heard of the peace that is afforded to you in Him. You've heard of the joy that is afforded to you in Him. You have heard today about the eternal hope that is afforded only in Him. He is the only way, friends. He is the only way for you to find that peace. He is the only way for you to find that true joy. He is the only way for you to find that true hope. And He is the only way for us to find eternal life in God. In a moment, if you would like to make Him your Lord and your Savior, if you would like to make Him your all, I'm going to allow you to do that. We're going to pray together down here on the front. Maybe you're here today and you are familiar to God. You are too familiar, so familiar that now you are not even connected to God. You're getting anxious, even me talking about this. Because you know in your hearts of heart that you are not connected to God. Yeah, you do the religious checkbook. Yeah, you come to church. Yeah, you kind of tick it off. But you know, you know that you know that you are not connected with God. Also, if you're here today, I want you to lift your hand. We could pray. So if you are one of those two people, you've never met Christ you want to make Him the Lord of your life, or you used to follow God, but you know that you are not in relationship with Him. With every eye closed, can I ask you right now just to lift your hand for me? I'll see your hand, and then you can put it down. Just lift it up. There are people here today that need to connect with God. Who is that here today? Lift it up long enough and high enough for me to see. Don't miss this opportunity for God to move in your world. Don't allow pride or fear, anxiety to stop you from connecting with God here today. Is that you here today? Just lift your hand for me. Let's give this a moment. Thank you, Lord. When I was 18 years old, 
despite everything in me wanting me not to do this, I decided, no, I need it. Changed my life forever. Who is here today that needs to do that? There's just one here today. I'll wait for you. Thank you, Lord. A few more seconds. Are you in relationship with Jesus? Amen. If you felt that that was you, I'll wait for you at the end. Down the front here, you can come talk to me. I'll pray for you. I want us to stand here right now. We're going to go straight back into that just one day. And let's really do that. Let's make Him the awe of our life. Let us make Him the desire. If you want to recapture that today, right now, you could even again come down the front if you would like to. But right now, in this place, let us be swept away by the awesomeness of God. Let's begin to praise and give God all our worship and praise. Come on, let's sing. In your